So every day, each and every one of us is faced with a myriad of questions coming our way. Now, not all of those questions are created equally, but all those questions require us to make decisions and choices and pick sides at times. Like I said, not every question is equal. Some are much more important than others. But there's one question right now that has really got people stirring on the internet. It's a question that seems to either divide people or cause them to pause and really ponder things for extended amounts of time for some reason. And that question is, are there more wheels or doors in the world? For some reason, this question has really got people thinking online, and there's lots of different perspectives on it. Some will say they're team door, some will say they're team wheel. Some will point to the fact that there is pasta-shaped wheels, so that counts as wheels. Some will point to the fact that every mailbox has a door, so there's lots of doors. It is a divisive question, if anything, and I don't know if we could ever try to figure out the answer to that. For some of us, we would take a lot of time thinking about this question. We would ponder it for maybe hours, watch research videos to try and find all the information we could just to figure out how many doors or wheels are there in this world and how can we compare it as much as possible. And while I don't think that's the most important question we can ask, there are other ones that maybe we need to spend a bit more time with. As we're inundated every day with questions, there is one question or rather one door we can walk through that can help shape the rest of the questions that we're going to get faced with. Every day, we do walk through doors. You walk through doors to get here in person. Even if you're at home, there's a good chance you walk through a door at some point. And those doors always lead us somewhere. And as we have the choices as to which doors we walk through, there's one that can guide us to all the other doors and help us to make sense of things. As we're in this series called I Am, we're exploring who Jesus is in his own words. And as if you've been here online, in person, watching later on, uh, you've explored how that one of the things that Jesus says about himself is that he is the bread of life, that Jesus is the sustenance that we can, we can consume spiritually to have the fullness of life that we desire. And he used this image, Jesus, to contrast the visual and reminder that the people of Israel had of God rescuing his people out of slavery and providing them bread from the sky, manna. And then last week, or if you listened at some other time, we were talking about Jesus as the light of the world, which is a reminder of, again, how God used Moses to rescue his people and provide a pillar of fire to guide them through the desert. So Jesus has used these two images that would have resonated to his very Israelite audience and said, hey, I am part of this whole big story, and I am even better than what has come before. And today is going to bring us to our next in that series of statements that Jesus makes about himself. And this, again, is one that kind of touches on some of the story of Israel, but not as directly as those previous ones. This one comes in in chapter 10, and it starts way before chapter 10, though, of John's gospel. And it starts way before, just after Jesus has told everyone that he is the light of the world, a miracle has occurred. He made someone who was blind capable to see. And People were amazed. 
People were so amazed, they were asking questions about, like, how could this be? How does this happen? And as the story unfolds, some of the religious leaders were not too happy about this event unfolding. And so they go to this man's parents and say, are you sure this is your son who is healed? And they say, yeah, he is, but you can ask him yourself. And they ask the man, like, how did this happen? And then they keep saying, well, it was this, this other man did this. And it gets to a point in chapter 9, verse 29, where uh, Jesus is encountering these religious leaders and they want to get mad at him because he has done something that he shouldn't have done, which was he healed somebody on their day of rest, on the Sabbath. This is what the big issue is. And so at first, uh, in chapter 9, 29, they say that we know that God spoke to Moses, but speaking of Jesus, the Pharisees say, but as far as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. So these religious leaders say, we know God used Moses at one point, but this guy who did the healing, we don't know where he came from. And this is kind of how everything starts to unfold. It's this comment that kind of piques the conversation that's going to follow. And in chapter 10, Jesus is going to try to explain to them, well, this is who I am. So chapter 10, verse 1 starts like this. It says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the door, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens the door for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. It says, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So as Jesus has encountered these religious leaders who are saying, we don't know who you are, where did you come from, why are you doing these miracles on the day you're not supposed to do miracles, like you could do it every other, every other day of the week, why are you picking today? And as he's encountering them, he tells this story, and he tells this story about a door. If you have the NIV, it says gate, but that's a poor translation. Door would be a more accurate one. A door to a sheep pen. And that only the people who should go through that door, being shepherds, will go through that door for the sheep. But other people will come in from other ways and try to steal and kill and destroy. And so Jesus tells them this story, and they go, yeah, I don't get it. What are you talking about, Jesus? Or at least that's what I imagine them saying. They don't understand it. Jesus told them the story that there are people who are deceptive, and they don't understand that. There are people who are leaders, and there are people who pretend to be leaders and actually just come to steal and destroy, is essentially what he's saying. And he's saying this to the people who call themselves and are in the position of leadership. They don't realize it, but he's criticizing them immensely. He's saying, you who are the religious leaders, you who are the ones who are wondering who I am, are the thieves and the robbers, and you've come to steal and destroy. They don't get it. Why would they get it when they're being criticized? Like most of us, when we're criticized, usually we, we try to avoid that situation. But Jesus very forcefully is telling them 
that they're the bad guys. Why is he saying this? Well, if we go back again, he was telling this happens after he's done a great healing. A healing that's a miraculous event. And so everyone who's seen it has wondered, how could this miraculous thing happen? And they go, this must be from God. But they say, well, we can't say it's from God because we don't know who Jesus is. And Jesus says, well, actually, it's whoever enters through the gate into the sheep pen, that's the shepherd. That's, that's the good person. So if he's doing something good for the people, he can't be bad, is what he's saying. But they just don't get it. So Jesus wants to explain it to them very clearly. And we'll see if they get it. In verse 7, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate or the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So as he's taken this initial image of a shepherd going through a doorway, he says, you know what? I'm actually the doorway. I'm actually the door that those who care for these people will walk through. That if a leader is to be a leader, they are to enter through this relationship with Jesus. And that through this relationship with Jesus, there comes life. If you remember from a few weeks ago, we talked about how the word that gets used for life is Zoe, which is a, a full spiritual life, as opposed to bios, which is just to exist. Jesus is saying if you want to fully experience the goodness of life, it's only through him, through the door. Jesus says he is our way to access life in the fullness. He is our way to the good we so desire. And he says that everybody who came before him which is a pretty bold statement, is a thief or a robber. Now, if we jump back into context, so for us, we could probably just scan over that quickly, but if you jump back into context, you have this group of people who follow the law of Moses. Moses is their hero, right? He is the guy. He's the guy that God used, and almost every festival, almost every story that's told is about how God used Moses, how God gave Moses the law, how God rescued the people because of Moses. And Jesus says, you know what, everybody who came before me, they're just robbers and thieves. Moses is included in that category of people to this audience. This was like a gut check. It would have hurt. It would have hurt for them to go, what are you saying about our fathers? What are you saying about our spiritual legacy? And Jesus says, well, it's only through him that life really comes. So you had this group of religious teachers who were bound to Moses and his teachings and the law, saying, this is how, what you have to do. And Jesus says, actually, there's a way better way for all of this, and that's through him. And so these religious leaders, rightfully, took offense because they, Jesus was saying, everything you do is wrong. Your denial of him, Jesus, being who he says he is, your denial of the miracle that God did in their midst, all of these things are wrong. You've got the wrong perspective. And amazingly, the word that gets used for door in Greek also means opportunity. 
And so they're given the opportunity to change their perspective and enter through the door of Jesus, the door of grace. But they don't necessarily get it. For them, it's all about what they've always known. And they can enter into cycles of thinking this is how it all works. James Lawrence, who wrote a a book on leadership, talks about it in a different way, but the same perspective that fits between the difference between the door that is Moses and the door that is Jesus. Because the door that is Moses, which is what the Pharisees had with the religious leaders, was pushing people to this level of obedience based on what they do. Whereas the way of Jesus is a way of life that's different. And James Lawrence, in his, I think it's in Building Leaders, talks about a cycle of grief. And the cycle of grief starts with achievement. This desire to push for achievement. Like, you have to do something. You have to do something to do it, to earn it. And so for the religious leaders, that's what it was. It was, a, it was about achievement base. It was about, what are you going to do to be right with God? That their emphasis was all on you have to do something. You have to follow the rules perfectly. And so in the cycle of grief, which is also a cycle of the law of the Old Testament, you move from your achievement to find your acceptance in that achievement. I am accepted because I did this. We feel this all the time. I'm accepted at work because I did the good things I needed to do to get a promotion. That's why I got the promotion. You know, I'm accepted in my relationships with other people because I do stuff for them. I make them feel good. I'm accepted at church because I'm just doing, doing, doing. And so we get this mindset and stuck in this cycle where we look to get acceptance by achieving, by doing. And then it moves into like a cycle of drivenness where we push ourselves to do more and more and more So we can keep getting that acceptance. For the people in Jesus' day, they were pushing themselves to do more and more and more of what the Pharisees wanted. To do more and more and more of following all the rules to make sure they get it all right so that they will say, hey, you did it right. And they are driven to do this because that's where they can find their acceptance. And what happens is they keep driving, and as we do the same thing, we keep trying to do things to gain that acceptance. Eventually, it begins to form our identity. that This is who you are. You know, you're the person who does everything for your friends and asks for nothing. You're the person at work who always takes on the extra project but never says anything about it. You're the one in your group project at school that really does all the work and never complains. We want acceptance so bad, we will do whatever it takes. And so then our identity becomes to form around it. The way that the Pharisees were leading the people was into this cycle. A cycle that said, as long as you do what you're supposed to do, we'll accept you. And Jesus says that there's a door for the people, the sheep, and there are people that are getting in, but they're not using the door They're using this cycle and they're going around the sides and saying, you've got to be like us. You've got to do all the right things. But Jesus says that he is the door and there's a better way. So we can either get wrapped into our identity found in the cycle of grief and law of rule following, or we can step through the door that Jesus offers, which is a cycle of grace that doesn't begin with achievement, but rather it begins with acceptance 
the acceptance that Jesus died for you. That maybe when everybody else was saying you need to earn love and favor, God loved you immensely from the beginning. And nothing changed that. You are accepted as you are with God. That because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you are invited into a life in its fullness that Jesus just said in John 10.10. Through him. And it starts with acceptance. Nothing you do can earn it. Nothing you do can gain it. And then it grows from that acceptance into a sustenance. You can live off of it. When you really accept that you are loved, you're not going to keep trying to earn it. When you really accept that people accept you as you are, you're not going to try to prove to them that you're worth it. And in the cycle of grace, the cycle of Jesus, which he models throughout his life, he understands that he is accepted and he lives from that place. And we too can make that choice when we go through that door of Jesus. And from that sustenance, from that growing and continuous growth in that acceptance, we can start to form our identity. Not from what we've done, but from who Jesus is. So it's not something we work to achieve or gain like the religious leaders were pushing for. Like you have to do these things to be right with God. You were accepted by God. You were right with God, not because of anything you've done, but because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And we can live, truly live, not just exist and grow from that and find our identity in it. And then from there, we grow into serving. Because we're not trying to earn or achieve, we're not trying to do stuff to get that acceptance, we do it because we are accepted. That those who understand and embrace the goodness of God, that walk through that door that Jesus offers us, that allow ourselves to find our identity from it, naturally desire to share that love and goodness that comes from him. Not to try and make God like us more. Not to try and show up people to say, hey, look how good I am. But out of that security of knowing your identity is found in your acceptance in God. You just do. This is the door of Jesus. One that doesn't say you have to work to achieve your acceptance or your identity. One that doesn't say like you are only accepted if you do certain things for him. It's one that says you're accepted Because he is the doorway, and all you've got to do is go through it. As Jesus explains what the good shepherd does, he says the good shepherd leads the sheep. He doesn't force them out. He leads them. He goes ahead. Next week, we're going to talk about how Jesus is that good shepherd who goes before us. But for us, what we need to know today is that of all the choices we make, there is one door that we can walk through that can change everything if we let it. There is one door, and it doesn't matter how many doors there are in the world, that if we choose to accept it to be true, which it is, we can find life in all of its fullness. And that door is Jesus. Jesus says he is the door, and in him is life. His way is not the way of trying to earn it. 
His way is not the way of trying to prove you are worth something. His way is a way of grace and a way of truth and of life that offers you acceptance and identity in him and not on your achievements and not on your mistakes and not on anything that you can do on your own except be loved by him. The way of Jesus is a way of life. But the way of law, the way of trying to earn it, does not bring life. Some of you know this. Some of you experienced it in your relationships where you're always trying to make the person love you. Some of you experienced it in your workplace where you're always trying to show your value to the company. Some of you have experienced it even in church, the one place you really shouldn't, where you feel like you keep having to earn acceptance. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not the door he offers. His way is of life and acceptance in him, not because of anything you do, but simply on who he is. And so as we explore these I am statements, I pray you know that he is the door and that when you enter through it, you can find life in all of its fullness. Please allow me to pray. Father, I thank you that you uh, have made a way for us in life, a way that leads to life. So many of us, we experience the desire to be accepted, to be loved in, in our friendships, in our romantic relationships, in our families, in our workplaces, even in our churches. And we always feel like we're coming up short, like we're not doing enough. But Jesus, you have a better way. You who are the light of the world that we can see everything by, say that you are the door. And that in, when we enter through that door, we can find life in all of its fullness. I pray for us this morning, whether we're online or we're here in person, that we choose to keep going through that door, Jesus. Keep going through you and making that the first decision we make so that we can see everything through that lens. Not a lens of trying to achieve and earn, but one of acceptance and sustenance of life in you. I pray that we know that. Maybe we've known it for a long time, and this is old news, but for some of us it might need to be heard again or for the first time. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we embrace that from the youngest to the oldest here, that we embrace the truth, that we find our acceptance in you. And through that, we can experience the life and the fullness you offer. Jesus, I thank you for that offer. And I pray we take it daily. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.